Rock 104 is WRUF-FM Gainesville, the rock of the 80s. I'm Harsha Ramaya. Here's new music from Def Leppard from the Pyromania album. Here's Photograph on Rock 104. Yeah! <laughs> new, new rock off Pyromania. That's right. crazy. <laughs> Harsha Ramaya, one of the Rock 104 OGs, correct? Or tell me if I'm wrong. Well, I... I, I think i'm kind of in between you know i work with some folks on the original staff like 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 tom collette and rich fields and and uh and steve street um chris kovacs but i think i came like right in between the first and the second wave because i've also worked with you know paul castronovo and tom griffiths and some folks there too so i think i'm kind of a, a tweener if you will how did you get up to gainesville what made you like why radio were you already doing radio before you got to rock 104 well, here this is going to be an interesting perspective, at least for I think for this broadcast. So I'm from Gainesville. So I went to elementary school, middle school, Gainesville Buholtz. So I'm a Gainesville guy. I've got a unique perspective because I was, you know, was a native there, um, and, and I was doing DJ kind of stuff in high school at Gainesville Buholtz. I was emceeing things. I would do the morning announcements. I would do what we had music in the mall. You know, we'd set that up, and I, I always remember playing everything from Rick James to Genesis Abacab, you know, to kind of satisfy, you know, all kinds of different tastes and an audience for ninth through 12th graders during, during the lunch hours. So, you know, again, I'm from Gainesville and then graduated from Gainesville Buholtz, all of us in the family, you know, my dad specifically moved to Gainesville early in the seventies, I think for one reason and one reason only, it was a college town. And he pretty much said, y'all are going to the university of Florida. So there was no really no options. We were going to be Gators, all, all three kids. And uh, that's that's kind of how it worked out. Um, so after graduating from high school, you know, and, and, and I'm going to be honest here <laughs> to a fault, but uh, my grades weren't that great in high school. I think I, I played around too much in my senior year. And, I you know, I, I applied to the University of Florida. That was the only school I really could apply to. And I couldn't get in for the fall semester. You know, back then, even now, it's really difficult to get into the University of Florida. But 40 years ago, it was just as hard, I'm finding out. So what they did is they let me in in the summer B session. So as you can imagine, I just graduated from high school, Gainesville Buholtz, and then literally two or three weeks later, I'm going to the University of Florida. So there's not much of a summer break for me, but (laughs) it got me admission into, you know, the University of Florida. That's that's my entry into uh, U of F. So you're there not quite from the very beginning, so as a senior in high school or maybe a junior in high school, are you already aware of Rock 104? And did it like, what it, What was it in town? Was it this like a new big thing, exciting? Or how was it for you, you know, guys? I, I think it was. I know you were asking Rich and, and Paul and some other folks about that, but I think it was pretty pretty revolutionary. You know, there was like WGVL was there, 105.5, and they were like the rock station, but they were playing some top 40. But this is back when all we had was terrestrial radio, right? So you had very limited stations, especially in a small market like Gainesville. I mean, AM radio was still pretty popular. AM 850 WRUF, 1230 WGGG was popular in Gainesville. But from an FM standpoint, it was really just WGVL, you know, the quad ship, as they called it, 105.5. And um, for, for for the University of Florida to make that decision to flip, you know, 850, which I guess was the top 40 station, to have beautiful music on, on 104 <laughs> to go to a rock format at 103.7 on the FM dial, 
I think that was pretty visionary, pretty revolutionary at, at that time. And I think it was very well embraced by the community of Gainesville. And it was absolutely loved by, you know, students at the University of Florida. I think it was long overdue that they had a really good 100,000 watt station on a great frequency. FM was, was really burgeoning. It was, it was coming about, you know, AM radio was kind of on the decline or getting ready to kind of go that way. But FM radio was the way to go back in the, uh, the 70s and early 80s. Was there any consideration given at that time to the Rock 104 brand and what it meant to work at Rock 104 when you guys are just starting out? And we're, when we're out there, we're wearing our shirts and we, we've got a certain attitude. Was that a thing then? I don't know if it was a thing. You know, all of this was just kind of new. So you, you had, there's so much newness to it. And I think we were just trying to figure it out. You, you know, from a music standpoint, you got to remember, we're playing music on reel to reel, okay? <laughs> there's no CDs yet. And and we're trying to figure that out. We've got a cart deck. I think it was like a triple cart deck. And that was like our backup in case the reel to reel would snap. But but even from a from a format standpoint and musically, that was all new. I mean, I remember when we came on the air, you know, we called ourselves Rock 104, but but we weren't allowed to play Led Zeppelin or Foreigner or ACDC. We were wow. playing Billy Joel and Elton John. And I'm like, this really isn't rock. I mean, this is more like light rock or top 40. AOR, right? Yeah, exactly. Why not Led Zeppelin? Why? I mean, whose decision was it to say we're not playing Zeppelin? <laughs> I'm sure it was Harry Guscott's. I mean, he's the program director. Harry obviously made the final call. But I think there was a lot of influence from Bob Leach, the general manager, and just thought, you know, initially, this is the direction we want to take the station. But I think it's an evolution. It was a process. And I think as, as we started to gain traction in the market, the branding started to come together. The music was more AOR, which stands for album oriented rock. That was the format that we really needed to kind of, you know, coalesce to. And, and we did. And then later on, I remember that, uh, you know, we employed a consultant, Jeff Pollock from uh, Pollock Consulting. And Jeff really helped get that Rock 104 brand out there. We talked about the rock of the eighties that I really think he did a really good job of tweaking the format, making sure that we've got the right records on the air. I mean, gone was the Billy Joel and the Elton John. And now we're bringing in some of this new rock. We're bringing in ZZ top, you know, Billy Squire, you know, true album oriented artists that fit that format. Yeah. How do you get into one Oh four? How do you know of, of an opening? Uh, you know, how do you meet with Harry? Was it Harry? Yeah, you know, it was Harry, and, and I guess I had a really untraditional path. I mean, I knew that, well, I guess when I got to the University of Florida, I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a DJ, you know, or an air personality, as they call them now. I, I wanted to do something in radio, whether that was promotions, sales, you know, management at some point. I just never really, you know, saw myself as being on air as a DJ. So I, I walked into Harry's office, and, and I didn't want to do anything with the AM station, just I just was averse to that. I just want, didn't want to do anything with news and sports. I wanted to be on the air at Rock 104. You know, that was my goal. Here's a kid coming out of high school, my first year at the University of Florida. I'm thinking, what can I do? How, how do I break into WRUF-FM? So I met with Harry, and basically he took me to the production room. You read a few liners, and, and I wasn't very good. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not the caliber of a Richfields or someone like that, but – I guess I was okay. And Harry said, Hey, I've got this overnight shift available if you want it. And I didn't know what overnights was, but you know, okay. So it's basically midnight to like 6 a.m., right? I mean, that's 
you know, the worst shift of the world, but that's where a lot of people start. So I took it, you know, and I thought, wow, I'm getting paid to do this. This is a, a cool paying job. I'm part of the Rock 104 staff. And, and and if I get a little bit of sleep during the day, maybe I'll come back in after lunch and, and try to meet some of, the, some of the people that I really looked up to, like, you know, the, the Rich Fields and the Steve Streets and kind of pick their brain. But um, that was my breakthrough to get the uh, overnight shift. And Harry gave it to me. And, and I am thankful for that opportunity. He was my first boss, period. And uh, just a great guy, you know, really laid back, pretty chill. You know, Harry's pretty hands off. You know, it's not like he would hotline you at two in the morning or something like that. But uh, it was a great opportunity and I took advantage of it. How many other students are there when you're there? Were you the second student hired? Was Rich the only other guy? Oh, I don't know. I I would say I I don't think I was a second or third. I mean, I was probably, you know, eight, nine, ten deep. I I think they had already assembled the staff. Uh, They knew the full timers that they wanted. Uh, they were putting the core staff together, doing a really good job of that. And, and I knew that I was just happy to, to, to get a shift on the FM station on Rock 104. So were you the first overnight jock on 104? Yeah, you know, I don't recall. I, it, it was either first, second, or third. I can tell you that. Yeah, I mean, right. uh, it, was, it was pretty early on. And, and I don't even know if they even, I mean, nowadays, most radio stations are automated or they're, or they're dark, you know, after midnight. But um, yeah, you know, it was just one of those shifts where, where I did it. You know, the hours were brutal. I knew that I had, you know, an early morning class the next the next morning. So uh, somehow, some way, pulled it together and, 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 and was able to pull that shift off. Hopefully, luckily, I didn't have to do it for a long period of time. It was, I think, really for several months. And then uh, I got into weekends and I was trying to fill in for middays and things like that. Nights, a lot of nights. Um, as far as programming goes, back in radio in those days, uh, was it when you came in, was it just the clock? that had categories and you played whatever you want, as long as, you know, you marked it off or was it scheduled the whole hour? No, it was, it was pretty much the clock, you know, to your point. Yes. The clock is right in front of you on the board. And then you have an index card, like an index card holder. And it it tells you what category and then what songs you got to play out of that. And I'll be honest with you. Some of us cheated, you know, we just like, let's get that card. We don't (laughs) want that song. We'll, we'll go to the next one. We, We had a guy, a sales guy that would come in I remember Tom Collette telling me this. We had a sales guy that would just pop in like around 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And uh, this was back in the day where, you know, record labels really wanted you to play their records, right? They wanted you to play their songs and and get that airtime. Well, this guy just popped in. I forgot. I I think his name was, um, oh, I'm trying to remember his name, but uh, Lehman was his last name. And he came in and said, hey, you know, Harsha, try this record, you know, just, just throw it on the turntable or see what you think about it. So we would kind of, you know, you're basically breaking format, but he said, Hey, throw it on the turntable. We had just gotten two brand new techniques, turntables. They weren't properly mounted, but they were there. So we threw it on there and we'd, and we'd play that record. And, uh, you know, from a format standpoint, you know, you pretty much had to stick to it. You know, I think Harry was, was pretty religious about that and, and thought, you know, let's stick to the format, you know, we'll open it up as, as we progress you know, we started playing more album-oriented rock tracks, which made the station sound a little bit tighter, a little bit crisper. But for the most part, um, you know, we had to stick to that format and we had to stick to that clock, depending on the day part. What were the exciting bands to add or that came through town? Like, were there bands that you guys were all like, this this, this band's awesome. You know, we're glad we're getting this song. This, you know, we're going to meet these guys. What? Who was it then? Well, I mean, you know, the, the classics were, you know, Tom Petty, if you had a chance to meet Gainesville's very own Tom Petty, whether he was playing at Dubs or the Islands, um, Molly Hatchet, 
you know, back then, you know, the Southern Rock was really big. 38 Special, Molly Hatchet out of Jacksonville. Uh, those were big bands. Stranger, that was a huge band. I'm not sure where they were from, but uh, they would always be at the islands. I remember Paul Castanova had to introduce them, you know, one night. But uh, the good thing back then, we had a lot of good traffic with, with bands coming through Gainesville. We had great clubs, you know. We had, you know, dubs. We had the islands, and we had, you know, just fantastic bands coming through. I remember interviewing the Thompson Twins, believe it or not, that band hit the O'Connell Center. And uh, I think Harry just at the last moment said, hey, Harsha, get out there at the O'Connell Center. You're going to be interviewing the Thompson Twins. It's three people. And all I remember is the guy's, the lead singer's name, and I botched it. His name is Joe Leeway. I called him Joe Elway. <laughs> so that was kind <laughs> of embarrassing. But, uh, you know, but I interviewed him. I interviewed Billy Squire one night. And, and, and uh, luckily, I got some good advice from, from people like, you know, Rich Fields or Paul Casanova. They would just tell me, Harsh, you just relax, you know, have a conversation with these guys. Just just be real mellow with them, you know, talk to them just in a in a normal conversational tone because I was nervous whether I was doing the interview on the air or I was doing the interview, you know, live at the O'Connell Center. It was just nerve-wracking for me. Being a native from Gainesville and then – uh, becoming a local celebrity, right, on, on Rock 104, the new rock station. How was that different for you? I mean, you must have had a lot more friends and family that knew you rather than just the listeners. So what was that like? Yeah, that that was – it was actually really cool. So my parents and my dad especially was like, he never wanted me to get into this business, right? He was like, you're going to be what? A DJ? It's like, no, no, I need you to be like an attorney or a doctor. <laughs> like, well, dad, that's not going to happen. So, uh, you know, we, we uh, you know, we got the notoriety. I, I just enjoyed the job. You know, I, I love the people I work with. I thought it was pretty cool, the shifts that I was pulling. Um, so, yeah, you know, your friends, you know, your high school buddies like, wow, that's kind of neat. And, and the thing that really helped me is I got to use my real name, which, which looking back, that's a surprise. I mean, it's kind of odd. Harsha Ramaya. I mean, why would you want your real name on the air? But again, I think that lends to the fact that I was local. I was from Gainesville. So you've got that, you know, that ability to, to connect and recognize the you know, people would recognize that name. But um, yeah, to, to answer your question, I loved it. I love the publicity. I love the fact that, you know, people would call up and say, hey, I know you. You, you went to Buholtz and I remember you from from Gainesville High and things like that. But then you know, you really start to cater to a different audience. You start to see people from South Florida, Central Florida that are really, they're here, you know, from to, to go to the University of Florida. And you really understand that, wow, Gainesville's kind of a ghost town, especially in the summer. I didn't realize that, you know, growing up in Gainesville, you know, you, you always thought, yeah, it's a busy town when the, when, the, when the students are in session and the fall and the spring semester. But during the summertime, man, it was a ghost town. So I enjoyed the notoriety, the fun, uh, the camaraderie with, with my colleagues, um, especially during the fall and the spring semesters. What were the remotes you were doing? Do you remember specific remotes other than Thompson Twins? You said you were at the O-Dome or the, what was it, the O'Connell Center? It wasn't the O-Dome then, was it? What yeah, was it was, uh, I think back then it was the O-Dome. Actually, when they were building okay. that back in the late 70s, um, I got busted by UPD, University Police Department, for climbing it. Me and some friends, we were just goofing off on a Friday night, and we actually climbed to the top of the O-Dome, just oh being stupid. Um, <laughs> it was pretty cool. It's like a big trampoline, you know, when you get to the top. <laughs> but uh, it was it was cool. That sounds like a Spano room. That sounds like something Spano yeah. would do on a remote. <laughs> No, I'm scared of heights. That, 
No. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember a lot of the remotes with, with Rock 104. When we talk about when I went across town, I could share some a, a lot of information about some really cool remotes that I did there. Well, that's a good segue because you didn't stay, you stayed in the business, but you didn't stay at Rock 104. Nobody does. But you didn't just go off to another city, did you? I, I did not. So again, this is a unique perspective. And I'm trying to think if there was anyone else at WRUF that made that move, that went across town, if you will, right? So, you know, Rock 104 WRUF tried to position itself as a, as a true commercial radio station, but really at the end of the day, it, it really wasn't. You know, it's it's owned by the University of Florida, which is the state of Florida. So it's not a true commercial radio station in that sense, you know, like, like a like a she in Miami or a DIZ in Orlando. Those were commercial radio stations. And in Gainesville at that time, uh, WGVL had flipped their format from a classic rock, album-oriented rock, to a top 40. And it was KISS 105. And I had befriended uh, Jerry Banna, who was actually going to the journalism school in Gainesville, but uh, he never worked at you know WRUF, had no desire to do that. Jerry was working at, at KISS 105 and said, hey, you ought to think about coming over. And, and how that kind of came about Again, I took a unique path at the University of Florida. Getting into the University of Florida was challenge number one. <laughs> Getting into the journalism school was challenge number two. So that didn't happen. You know, for whatever reason, I just I knew that I wasn't going to you know get my degree in journalism. I had had conversations with with Dr. Smeak, with the dean Ralph Lowenstein back then, and they knew that you know I'm working at Rock 104. You know, but do I want to you know pursue my degree in journalism, either you know RTV, radio, TV production, or whatever. And I didn't. So I, I went into a different college and knowing that I was going to go into a college outside of the J school in Gainesville, that would prohibit me from continuing to work at Rockwood of four. I mean, that was the requirement. Hey, you've got to be a student in good standing with good grades at the journalism school in Gainesville. Um, so that wasn't going to happen. I just, I moved over to a different college and just talking to Jerry said, well, come on over to kiss one Oh five. And, and they offered me the nighttime position, same name, Different format, uh, but really, I think it's just it just opened up so many more opportunities. Uh, it's just a a great radio station, well run. You had a you had a general manager who was really trying to help people. Um, you had a sales force that was so much more dynamic and bringing in that revenue from the local businesses in Gainesville. Not that they weren't doing that at WRUF, but they were just doing a better job of that at, at WYKS Kiss One Hundred Five and. Uh, I enjoyed it. So I, I progressed there from nights to afternoons, learned a lot. I mean, I really think I honed my craft and did a much better job and developed myself in radio with my time at KISS 105, just on air, doing production work, commercials, voiceovers, and then the remotes, you know, to your point, um, did a lot of remotes. I, I thought that KISS 105 was out in Gainesville, out in the community, a lot more and a lot more effective than anyone at Rock 104. Um, for example, you know, we did a we did a remote at the movie gallery and for and, and I don't know how they pulled it off, but they brought in the cast from Star Trek. I mean, they brought in w William Koenig. He was Chekhov. They brought in um, George Takai, Sulu and then James Doohan. I mean, I, I interviewed all three of those guys at the movie gallery in Millhopper in Gainesville. I mean, that was like one of the best remotes I've ever done. And I'm sitting there with my little Sony Walkman headphones and, and we're just talking. It was a cool remote, a good conversation. And they just said, hey. Just talk to them. Just ask them basic questions and, and have fun. But what we noticed was it was an attention grabber. We had people flocking all of a sudden to the movie gallery. You got the Star Trek fans 
they're going crazy. Like, yeah, we want to come out there. They don't want to see Harsha Ramaya or Kiss 105. They want to see these guys. You know, but we had a really good captive audience. So we did remotes at the movie gallery. You know, we did remotes at the park hot tubs. I don't know if you remember that down on Southwest 13th Street. They loved us there. They were always, you know, saying, hey, play that song by Loverboy. Take me to the top. The owners always loved that song. But uh, we had great remotes at the park hot tubs Friday, Saturday night. And, and one of the other things, too, that I noticed moving from Rock 104 to Kiss 105, your audience is different. OK, your demographics different, you know, where you're targeting male, probably 18, 35 year olds at Rock 104. Guess what? You're now targeting females at Kiss 105. It's top 40. It's dance. It's Madonna. It's it's Prince. It's those songs. And some of the subtle things that I noticed when I left Rock 104 to go to Kiss 105, my request line was blown up at Kiss 105. I mean, I, I guess women just like to call into the radio station. You know, so I enjoyed that part, you know, getting to meet a lot of great women and, and, and clients and things like that. So, you know, I met my first girlfriend as a result, but that was kind of cool. They want to talk to Harsha. Yeah. And, and better yet, they want to come by and see Harsha. I'm like, come on over. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, being a native, were there any of those high school girls that maybe didn't look your way in high school and now you're the big, the big man over at Kiss 105, whatever, and then uh, start calling you up? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that actually did work out. There was uh, my, my first girlfriend. She was a, a majorette at Santa Fe High School. She went on to become a majorette at Florida State. And, you know, I spent probably more time on Florida State's campus than I did in Gainesville. But uh, that was a direct result of me going over to Kiss 105. She would never have heard me at Rock 104. That's not her scene. That's not her music. But at Kiss 105, sure. she was a big fan and became a big fan of me. Before we get into what you did after... Gainesville or the rest of your career. What was your relationship like with the rest of the staff at Rock 104 after you left? Was it non-existent or were you guys still chummy? How, how did Harry take that? You left to go to a competitor. I, you know, I think everyone was pretty cool about it. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say non-existent. We stayed in touch. I mean, you know, obviously people are graduating from, from Rock 104 and they're moving on, but you know, I stayed in touch with people like Paul Castronovo for a long time. I still do. I still chat with Paul. Um, Harry was, was, he understood completely what was going on. And I think a lot of people thought, wow, this guy's making a move across town to a real commercial radio station. Good for him. So I, I think they welcomed that opportunity, but, um, there was never an, a, any, uh, you know, animosity or, or resentment. I think it was just, it was all good. How long are you there before you head out of Gainesville? So I met Kiss 105 for about another two years. And, and I guess I just, I, I seemed to get discovered or was getting discovered by people driving through Gainesville, I guess, on their way to Orlando to Disney or something. So I got discovered um, as I was a senior, and I just – the last thing I wanted to do was continue to stay in Gainesville. I had been there all my life. I wanted to get out of town. So I got discovered by uh, a gentleman by the name of Tony Mann. He was programming Power 95, or actually 95X in Jacksonville, and they were putting on a brand-new station in Daytona Beach called Y100, similar to Y100 in Miami. You know, Y100 in Miami sued them and said, hey, you can't say Y100 in Daytona Beach. And, you know, years later, they changed it to I-100. Um, so Tony said, hey, I've got a job for you. You know, I like the way you sound. Um, come on over to Daytona Beach. So graduated, packed up my stuff, went to Daytona, started doing nights there. And that was a great station. Talk about a signal. That signal probably covered half the state of Florida, 99.9 WNFI. They had the longest legal ID in the history of radio. But uh, what a great station from an imaging standpoint, 
from a music standpoint, the staff, the execution, top notch. And then where? And then what? Where Where do you go? I mean, you didn't. How long did you stay in Daytona? So I'm at I'm at I'm at I100 for a while, um, and then of course while I'm doing this, I'm, I'm part time. I'm working three jobs, right? I'm working at a department store, I'm working at a bank as a teller, and I'm working radio. I mean, just trying to you know make a living, right? Get by. I'm young. I got a lot of energy. I'll work three jobs. Well, the bank thing really really turned out pretty well. I was working for for Barnett Bank at, in Florida at the time, and that kind of started to to morph into something bigger and better. Where you know, I always thought they wanted business and finance majors, and they said, you know, no, we're going to go in a different direction. We're looking for, you know, liberal arts and science graduates, and and you know, we notice that you're coming out of Florida. You know, we'd like to get you into this management program at our bank. Well, I don't know anything about banking. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not a finance guy. But uh, you know, I took the offer in Daytona, and uh, my career in banking just just really took off. I mean, just uh, what a trajectory it just took off, which really made me think about you know. Do I want to stay in radio? Do I want to continue to do radio? And I did because I've always had a passion and I still do because I still do radio. I've always had that passion to, to stay attached to radio, terrestrial radio, somehow, some way, some shape. So moved to Orlando, worked at a few stations in Orlando, BJ 105, legendary station, loved it. Worked with those guys down there again in a part-time capacity, but that was a great radio station. Probably one of the best top 40 stations in all of America uh, went over to Y106 for a little bit, their competitor on the top 40 station. Then I had a chance to move back into rock, album oriented rock, classic rock at WJRR. And I had done the second shift at 101 WJRR. And previously, I think it was Star 101, then Variety 101 or vice versa. And then they flipped it to rock. Um, worked with people like Mark, Mike Sharkey. John Frost was our GM or was our PD. Steve Robertson, who's actually now here in Nashville, working for a record label. He was my music director. So that was that was a blast, you know, working at, at 1011 WJRR in Orlando. Did that. But again, all in a part-time capacity, the bank headquarters were in Jacksonville. So to get promoted, to get, you know, into the management program, had to move to Jacksonville. So I relocate to Jacksonville. Right away, they hired me at Power 95 that had just come on the air. And that was like one of the most epic events happening in all of radio when power 95 i think w it was 95x when they had flipped to a top 40 chr contemporary hit radio power 95 it was just epic in in the industry it was almost like you know power pig in tampa flz it was big you know power 95 the liners we had you know mark driscoll doing all that stuff from dallas and it was just a great station to work for of course i had to lose the harsher ramaya i was now randy rocket (laughs) <laughs> and then I became <laughs> Greg Parker. But again, you know, some opportunities in Jacksonville. I worked at uh, at Power 95 for a while uh, with Cox Radio. Then I went across town to work at uh, 96.1 WEJZ owned by a smaller company, which was different. And uh, did that all in Jacksonville for, I guess, you know, 20 plus years. Well, all the while still working full time at the bank. And then the bank comes to me and says, hey, we want to move you into an additional management role and a sales opportunity. But you're going to have to leave Florida. I'm like, that's fine. Spent 44 years in Florida. I'm out. So they had an opportunity to uh, to transfer me here to Nashville. Um, I love it. We love Nashville. But again, my first thing was to try to get on a radio in Nashville, <laughs> even part time. So my buddy had worked in Jacksonville at, at, at 96.1 WEJZ. He's the production director at Mix 92.9 here in Nashville. And he said, Harsha, we need help. Come on in. 
And I said, listen, I, I can't commit to, you know, 40 hours. I'm just a part-time guy. Banking's still my gig because that's okay. We'll give you great shifts. So here I am, you know, seven years later in Nashville working part-time at Mix 92.9, uh, working Saturday mornings and Sunday afternoons. So still stay in touch with radio. I still love it. Passionate. Doesn't really matter what the format is. I've done top 40, classic rock, album rock, country, did a little bit of country in Jacksonville. And now I'm doing adult contemporary here in Nashville. Were there any times where you were, you've been working full-time job in banking all these years. Were there any times where you went extended periods where you weren't part-time in radio? Yeah, there was a time in Orlando where they were looking for a, a permanent night guy. And I think I had actually done that job. I was working, you know, during the day at the bank, but um, they rolled me into f- technically full-time. I wasn't getting all the benefits and things like that, but I was doing full-time with Paxson Broadcasting at JRR. I would say for about a good four or five months. And at that time, it was a, a little bit of an inkling to think, you know, maybe I want to get out of what I'm doing and get back in the radio. But it's just, it, you know, then I thought long and hard about it. And they had identified somebody. I think they came up from, uh, I think it was like K102 out of Miami. They came up and they found their night guy. So it worked out well for them. But um, yeah, you know, I, the opportunities have always been there. I, I had Scott Shannon, you know, from Z100 driving through Jacksonville his music director hears me, and next thing I know, I'm getting the call Monday morning from Mike Preston, his music director, saying, come to New York. We want you to work at, you know, Z100 in New York. So, you know, was that a missed opportunity? Perhaps. But um, I- I've been happy with the way my career has unfolded on the banking side, but yet still able to be very much involved with, with radio in every market I've worked. Well, before we go, I'm noticing uh, people who aren't li- who are listening can't see, but the room you're in, you got a lot of goodies around you here, and I got to ask you about that that display case behind you. It looks like you have a bunch of cans in there. Uh, are those special? Do, uh, like, what? Tell us about those. Yeah, yeah. Good. Thanks for asking. Yes, I do collect headphones, and a lot of those are from stations that I worked at. Believe it or not, I mean, some of them are the older Sony's, some old Sennheisers. I've got an old pair of Kos. People in their business know those big Kos headphones are like really clunky. They probably are not the best sounding, but I've got a pair. So yeah, I've got a, I've got a collection going on there with my headphones. Nowadays, people are going, you know, Bluetooth, wireless, whatever. But uh, I'm old school, man. I still like to be wired. And, and I've had these headphones since my Orlando radio days, since 1995. I mean, they're nice. They're they're battered. They're worn out, but you know they work. And I use them to this day in Nashville right now. Arsha, what uh, what special place, if any, in your heart does Rock 104 have? You know, um, I, I will tell you, a very special place. It was my first opportunity, my first real job, my first boss with Harry Guscott. Um, just great people. I, I think when they launched that station, you know, we probably didn't have a complete vision of what, what we expected. But the way they launched it, the way we executed it, and the way we just, you know, cultivated that format and brought in the right people, the right talent, it, it was it was just wonderful. I, you know, it was just really a shame when we found out, I think it was 2010, that they were going to flip it to country. Y- you know, um, just a lot of good memories, good people. I mean, you know, Bob Leach, Harry Guscott, Otis Boggs, Larry Vitell, you know, Jim Finch, all those guys really served as, you know, great teammates, good mentors, uh, and just good people. You know, they all just wanted to succeed. And, and really, I just remember people saying, have fun when you're on the air. Have fun. Don't stress about it. You're going to make mistakes. You're new at this. We're all student DJs. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to sound like, you know, Howard Stern. 
but just have fun. So a lot of fond memories about the building, the music, and, and more so the people that I worked with and interacted with. Yeah, I agree. I mean, clearly the people, the place, they were all pretty important to us or we wouldn't be having this podcast with a bunch of listeners and people who want to get on and share their stories. Exactly. Um, Harsha, Harsha, thanks for your time today, man. The stories really uh, wish you the best and uh, go Gators, man. Yeah, man. It was really nice talking to you, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Go Gators. Appreciate the time. If you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at don'ttapptheglasspodcast at gmail.com.